Amen. So it's Christmas, so I thought I'd get one of the longest chapters of the Bible to be read. You know, anyone complaining there, shame on you. But um, I'm going to do a little bit more reading from that chapter again, just in case you didn't hear the Bible read enough. So uh, we're just going to look at a passage, because there's a lot going on there, isn't there? That's a long chapter of the Bible, and we're going to look from verse 67 there. So Luke chapter 1 and verse 67, uh, where John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, is filled with the Holy Ghost, and he prophesies this. He says in uh, Luke 1, 67, and his, it says, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he began, sorry, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he sware to our father Abraham, that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. Okay, verse 69 there. So obviously there's that, that great kind of speech, that prophecy of, of Zacharias, it says in verse 69, and has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So Jesus Christ's birth, life and death fulfills hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. And there's a few different views of, of how many. I think uh, there's a guy that, that claims it's kind of 430-odd. Others are a bit more conservative with that. But, but it's a lot, a lot of prophecies, yeah? And, and there are some of those prophecies, many of those prophecies are specific to his, just his birth and the events surrounding it. So basically the first Christmas and those days surrounding it. And being Christmas, we're going to look at those today. So the title of my sermon today is 12 Prophecies of Christmas. 12 Prophecies of Christmas. I'd like to pray before we continue. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the, the great gift that we remember at this time of year. Uh, your, your son, Jesus Christ, being born this... You know, we, we celebrate it this day, 2000 plus years ago. Um, we, we thank you. Um, thank you for the gift of, well, Jesus Christ's gift of eternal life. Um, please help me to preach this sermon just accurately, Lord, now, and help everyone to have attentive ears. Um, Lord, fill me with your spirit, please. Just name, we pray all of this. Amen. So last year, I don't know if anyone remembered, I preached a sermon called 12 Pitfalls of Christmas. Probably a bit more of a negative one at Christmas time. And I kind of like the number 12 at Christmas time. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that the 12 days of Christmas is a load of likely Catholic nonsense, but I quite like the song anyway. It's quite catchy, and um, I, I'm going to preach about about the twelve prophecies of Christmas today, um, and and in in a kind of style that hopefully you'll be able to remember it thanks to that catchy tune. Um, but with that as well, you know, there's nothing wrong with twelves, is there? We like twelves. Yeah, there's a lot of twelves in the Bible. You know, the the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve apostles. You know, and twelves are good. And we're going to look at the twelve prophecies of Christmas today, or at least twelve that I wanted to focus on today. Now. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. No other so-called prophet, because many like to call him a prophet, don't they? Of another religion had his birth prophesied. Okay, no other did. Buddha didn't have his birth prophesied. We were talking about Buddha earlier and and their so-called spiritual nirvana and everything else. This guy was a wicked false prophet, and his birth wasn't prophesied. Muhammad 
didn't have his birth prophesied, okay? Again, a wicked false prophet, and he didn't have his birth prophesied. Charles Taze Russell, you know? <laughs> that amazing <laughs> Charles Taze Russell didn't have his birth prophesied. None of these guys, none of these wicked false prophecies, Joseph Smith, the rest of them, you know, Ellen G. White, wh whoever you want to name, they didn't get their births prophesied. Jesus Christ did. Now, you could argue with these that admittedly 2 Timothy 3.13 did say evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse to see you and being deceived. So they kind of did get prophesied to some degree. You know, Matthew 24.11 says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So there's a, there's a prophecy of sorts. However, there was a difference with Jesus Christ, wasn't there? Jesus Christ is legitimate. He's a real deal. And he fulfilled tons of prophecies. Just his birth alone fulfilled many. He was... He was recording prophecies which were re recorded up to 1,500 years before he was born. And, and they're non-debatable because, of course, the people that want to attack the Bible or people that have no idea at all, oh, fairy tales, this sort of stuff, there's no debate that all these prophecies that we're going to look at were written hundreds and up to 1,500 years before he was born. And, and no one can really argue that unless they just are just coming from a complete, just laughable standpoint. And we're going to look at how these were fulfilled in the, in the life of Christ, and, and especially the birth here. Verse 70 says, As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. So from Abel's offering to, to Zacharias that we just read about here, there, there have been hundreds of prophecies. Now, some are clearer than others, but... The, the ones that we from the world began well, were recorded by Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously, in, in what's known as the Torah, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, yeah? Okay, but, and we are going to go there. We're going to go to the first book there. So these are written sort of many years before Christ, 1,500 years earlier. The Genesis chapter 22, to see the first prophecy. So if you turn to Genesis 22, relate to Jesus Christ's birth, and, and although earlier too, so this isn't the first prophecy, but this for me is just a very clear one. And, and he obviously makes this prophecy earlier on, but this is the clearest for me. So Abraham takes his son Isaac to be sacrificed. He prophesies of the coming Christ in verse 8. Genesis 22, Genesis 22 and verse 8 says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them together. So there's that first prophecy there. He's, he's saying that God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. However, we're going to focus on the part that relates to his birth. And that's from verse 15. So Genesis 22, 15. It says, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine own only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the na nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. That's the prophecy of Jesus Christ. Now, turn to Galatians 3.16, says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Jesus Christ possesses the gate of his enemies. In Revelation 1.18 he said, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore. Amen and have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus Christ possesses the gate of his enemies. The gates of hell did not prevail against our rock. I preached that recently in our, in our uh, Matthew Bible study. And it's in Christ that all the nations of the earth are blessed. Yeah, But the point is that Jesus Christ was of the seed of Abraham. 
Okay, Jesus Christ was of the seed of Abraham. Go to Luke 3. Luke chapter 3, because although, although to the eyes of the world he was supposed to be the son of Joseph, and, and you know, therefore fulfilling this and other prophecies through Joseph's genealogy in Matthew 1, which obviously is emphasising the kingly line from David, the genealogy of Luke is that of Mary, and, and the one that counts. Now, some try and debate this. I have no doubt it's of Mary. We just read, Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. And in Luke 3, he's just been baptised, and we read this. Verse 23, Luke 3, 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now, who was Joseph the son of? Well, Matthew 1, 16 says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Now, some go, oh, there must be a contradiction. Well, who is Heli? Well, for me, that's Mary's father. It was Jesus that was the son of Heli. Son also referring to grandsons, great-grandsons, etc. You could read it like this, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. You could even add brackets, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. So, and Jesus began to to be about 30 years of age, which was the son of Heli. It was Jesus Christ, which was the son of Heli. Okay, Heli being his grandfather, because we're just looking at this male line here, but which just stops, obviously, we go then through Mary to Jesus Christ. Then we see this alternative genealogy from the one in Matthew all the way up to King David, where the Matthew genealogy goes from David's son Solomon. Here, it's from his son Nathan. Okay, so it's from, from David's son Nathan in verse 31 it says which was the son of Melia which was the son of Menan which was the son of Matatha which was the son of Nathan which was the son of David it's then identical up to Abraham verse 32 says which was the son of Jesse which was the son of Obed which was the son of Boaz which was the son of Salmon which was the son of Nason which was the son of Aminadab which was the son of Aram which was the son of Ezra which was the son of Pharis which was the son of Judah which was the son of Jacob which was the son of Isaac which was the son of of Abraham, which was the son of Thorah, which was the son of Nacor, and continues all the way back to Adam and, and then to God. So we see in this genealogy that the promise to Abraham about his seed was fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ, yeah? who through Mary was a direct descendant of Abraham. So 12 prophecies of Christmas, and number one, the seed of Abraham, okay? The seed of Abraham, he was a son of Abraham. Now, Keep a finger there, and in case you're thinking, man, we've got 11 of these to go through like this, don't worry, you are going to get to eat, we're going to speed up a little bit, okay? That's just to set the scene. Keep a finger there and go back to Genesis 26, because Abraham had another son called Ishmael of Hagar, and then later in life, six more sons by Keturah, his, his wife later, in his later years. Which one was the Christ to come from? Well, that was made clear by another prophecy in chapter 26, Genesis 26, and from verse 1, we're now following his son Isaac, and it says in verse 1, there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerah. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I should tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee for unto thee, and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice kept my charge my commandments my statutes and my laws Luke 3:34 said he was the son of Isaac Luke 3:34 says he was the son of Isaac 12 prophecies of Christmas number 2 a son of Isaac and the seed of Abraham 
Okay, the third prophecy of Christmas comes from Genesis 28 because Isaac had two sons, the twins Jacob and Esau. In Genesis 28, Jacob's been sent out to Padanaram to find a wife. Genesis chapter 28 and verse 10, Genesis 28 10 says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Pretty hardcore, isn't it? He put stones down for his pillows, okay? Jacob was a tough guy. Verse 12 says, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the, son, and the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest to thee, will I give it unto thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Luke 3.34 said he was the son of Jacob. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. Number three, a son of Jacob. Two, a son of Isaac and the seed of Abraham. The fourth prophecy of Christmas comes from Genesis 49 now because Jacob had 12 sons, didn't he? In Genesis 49, Jacob prophesying to teach, uh, sorry, to each of his 12 sons. Genesis 49 and verse 8, he says this, Judah, Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couches a lion as an old lion who shall rouse him up. The scepter, scepter is a staff of both a shepherd and a ruler, shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. Shiloh is the name of a city, but it means peaceful one referring to Christ. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. In Revelation 5, 5, you don't have says, One of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open a book and to loose seven seals thereof. Clearly referring to Christ. Luke 3, 33 says, He was the son of Judah. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. Number four, a son of Judah. Three, a son of Jacob. Two, a son of Isaac. And the seed of Abraham. For the fifth prophecy of Christmas, okay, jump forward to Isaiah 11, where we see the prophecy related to the next persons several generations on. Now there's a less obvious one of Obed in the book of Ruth, but in Isaiah 11 we see this prophecy of the by now deceased Jesse. Isaiah 11, uh, chapter 11, sorry, and verse 1. So Isaiah 11 and verse 1, book of Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1 says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, this is Isaiah 11, 1, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor, and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reigns clearly referring to the Lord Jesus Christ yeah verse 10 then says verse 10 and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious Luke 3 32 says he was the son of Jesse he was the son of Jesse so 12 prophecies of Christmas number five a son of Jesse Four, a son of Judah, three, a son of Jacob, two, a son of Isaac, and the seed of Abraham. So for the sixth prophecy of Christmas, we go to a number of places, but turn to Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. In Jeremiah 23 and verse 5, and 
I'm just working up an appetite here for Christmas. You're thinking, man, this is a lot of Bible, Tony. Well, good. Okay, it's good for you. Right. Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. Jeremiah prophesies of Jesus coming. It says in verse 5, Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Romans 9, 6, by the way, says, not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. The children of the promise are the ones that are saved, by the way. Jeremiah said that he was a right, that the righteous branch, sorry, was raised unto David. Luke 3, 31 says he was a son of David. 12 prophecies of Christmas. Number six, a son of David. Five, a son of Jesse. Four, a son of Judah. Three, a son of Jacob. Two, a son of Isaac and the seed of Abraham. Now turn to Micah 5, but let's just pause for a minute, okay? We're halfway through now. Vicky, okay, that wasn't so bad, brother Ian. We're only 15, 20 minutes in. You're halfway through. And let's just get an understanding of the impossibility of this, okay? From Abraham is one thing, but to pinpoint each of these men in, in, in that line, for it, to, for it to all be fulfilled in one man. You go, well, okay, well, there's a family line there. Yeah, there's a family line with a guy that then not only lived a life with all these witnesses recording everything that happened in his life, all these amazing things, fulfilled all these other prophecies as well, and then died on a cross and was seen of over 500 witnesses at once that he rose from the dead as well. It's impossible. Okay, it's completely impossible to have pinpointed everyone in that line is impossible. From Abraham is one thing. Well, okay, well, he came from Abraham. But to pinpoint each of these men in that line for all to be fulfilled can only be of God. Okay, now, now we're going to see some more stuff in here. Okay, because it gets even more unlikely because the prophecies of events surrounding his birth. So Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, the prophet says this, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. One of the reasons we use the King James Bible in this church is because it doesn't change Jesus Christ to have some sort of beginning. Okay? He's from everlasting. Okay? Jesus Christ is God. And through his prophet, 700 years before he came to earth, he told us exactly where. Among the thousands of towns in Judah alone, and turn to Luke 2 to see this prophecy fulfilled. Luke chapter 2 you're going to turn to. We just saw about Bethlehem, afraid of thou thou be little among the thousands of Judah. Out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Okay, clearly referring to Jesus Christ. Luke 2 and verse 4 says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, this is Luke 2, 4, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So 12 prophecies of Christmas. Number seven, born in Bethlehem. Six, a son of David. Five, a son of Jesse. Four, a son of Judah. Three, a son of Jacob. Two, a son of Isaac. And the seed of Abraham. Okay, turn to Isaiah 7 for another amazing prophecy 700 years earlier. Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. If you're just like getting a bit you know, I don't even know where I'm turning next. Just look like you're turning somewhere. That'll be good enough. Isaiah 7 and verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord shall give you a sign. 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Right, go to Matthew this time in chapter 1 to see this one fulfilled. We just read, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. That is an amazing miracle, isn't it? And bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Matthew 1 and verse 18 says, Matthew 1, 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the, sorry, of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Completely fulfilled there. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. Number eight. Born of a virgin, seven born in Bethlehem, six son of David, five a son of Jesse, four a son of Judah, three a son of Jacob, two a son of Isaac, and the seed of Abraham. Now, we're, we're coming back to Matthew, but go to Isaiah chapter 60, where there was a prophecy that required some wisdom to understand. So Isaiah chapter 60, Isaiah chapter 60, we're going to look from the beginning of that chapter from verse 1. Isaiah 60 and verse 1, Isaiah prophesies this. He says, Arise, shine. Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness of people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of of thy rising. Now go back to Matthew and chapter 2 because there were some men that were wise enough to understand this it seemed. You go back to Matthew and chapter 2 now and verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Herod sends them off to find him. Then verse 9 says, verse 9, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Okay, now they, they somehow interpreted that. For me, that's where they got it from. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. They, it said, his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising, which maybe is why many, you know, there's the hymn, We Three Kings, and people assume they were kings. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. Number nine, lit by a star. Eight, born of a virgin. Seven, born in Bethlehem. Six, son of David. Five, a son of Jesse. Four, a son of Judah. Three, a son of Jacob. Two, a son of Isaac. And the seed of Abraham. Right. Keep a finger in Matthew and go to Psalm 72, which has another prophecy of that first Christmas. Now, Psalm 72 is a prophetic psalm written to Solomon, yet also prophesying of Jesus Christ. Solomon being a great picture of Jesus Christ in many ways in his life. Okay, so... Psalm 72, book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 72 and verse 1 says a psalm for Solomon. 
Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass and showers that water the earth. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river and to the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Now, although it was first fulfilled in Solomon, you could, also, you could also argue maybe it will be filled later with the millennial reign as well. Solomon's reign obviously pictures that. This is also fulfilled, I think, in the first coming of Jesus Christ. Tarshish being far west, the Isles could be far east, maybe what we now know of as the Persian Gulf, I'm not sure. But either way, Jesus Christ was brought presents, he was offered gifts, and these wise men were likely kings if we look at the last prophecy as well. Matthew 2 and verse 11. Matthew 2 and verse 11 says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. So 12 prophecies of Christmas. Number 10, number 10 sorry, presents from afar. Nine lit by a star, eight born of a virgin, seven born in Bethlehem, six son of David, five a son of Jesse, four a son of Judah, three a son of Jacob, two a son of Isaac, and the seed of Abraham. Right, keep a finger there and go to Hosea for the next one where the prophet Hosea prophesies of Christ using an event in Israel's history. Okay, so Hosea, the book of Hosea, and we're going to look from chapter 11. Hosea and chapter 11. Hosea 11 and from verse 1. Hosea 11, 1 says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Now, of course, the young nation of Israel was called out of Egypt under Moses. But then remember that Christ was a son of Jacob who became Israel. Go back to Matthew 2 with that in mind. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13 says, Matthew 2, 13, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Obviously referencing Hosea 11, where we just were. Twelve prophecies of Christmas. Number 11, called from Egypt. Ten presents from afar. Nine lit by a star. Eight born of a virgin. Seven born in Bethlehem. Six a son of David. Five a son of Jesse. Four a son of Judah. Three a son of Jacob. Two a son of Isaac. And the seed of Abraham. Right. Keep a finger there and go to Jeremiah 31 for our final prophecy of that first Christmas. Jeremiah 31. In Jeremiah 31 and verse 15, Jeremiah prophesies of the worst events surrounding Christ's birth. Okay? This is a bad part now. He says this in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 15. Jeremiah 31, 15 says, Thus saith the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rahel weeping for her children refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Now, another way of saying that they had died, okay? Children, plural. Go back to Matthew 2 to see this fulfillment. 
Go back to Matthew chapter 2, and from verse 16, we read this. Matthew 2, 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. Now Rachel, the mother of the Benjaminites, and Ramah, one of the cities of them, in the coast of or, or surrounding Bethlehem. So amongst all of these great prophecies being fulfilled, there's this reminder, isn't there, that due to it being a momentous time in the world's history, the haters of God were raging, foaming at the mouth, and they haven't stopped since, really, have they? Okay, and that's a good reminder that with all that joy, with that, all those prophecies being fulfilled, the birth of Christ, there's still wicked people out there that hate Jesus Christ and, and hate his followers as well. 12 prophecies of Christmas. So number 12, morning lost children. 11 called from Egypt. 10 presents from afar. 9 lit by a star. 8 born of a virgin. 7 born in Bethlehem. 6 son of David. 5 a son of Jesse. 4 a son of Judah. 3 a son of Jacob. 2 a son of Isaac. And the seed of Abraham. Okay. Now that's just concerning the first Christmas. That's just the events surrounding the birth of Christ. And of course, look, you're, you're never going to prove the Bible to unbelievers. Okay. That's not how it works. Because the faith is what's first required to then prove it, isn't it? Okay, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Then when you have faith, you see all these things which are just, this is absolutely amazing. But without that, they'll just argue that, oh, well, did that really mean that? Oh, just forget that, you know. And I always just think, I remember, you know, I always think of um, this conversation I once had years ago with this guy, Coach. And, and I'd just been reading about uh, worker ants being female. And it just, you know, something in my head. And I'd gone in in the morning. I'd just been reading and talking about it with my family. I'd gone to coach this guy. And this guy was a scientist, yeah? Nice enough fella. Um, I think he worked, he, he did sort of pharmaceutical testing or something like this. And, you know, he's quite proud of his sort of education and quite bright and, you know, that sort of guy. And we were chatting and I said, oh, something I was reading about earlier. I said, did you know that all, all worker ants are female? I said, it's funny because in the book of Proverbs, it talks about, you know, look at the ant, thy sluggard, like, thy sluggard and consider her ways, you know, and, you know, she being wise, I said, it just refers to her as a female, where all these other places referring to, you know, using like the male as a kind of go-to. And I said, funny that, because this was written, you know, sort of a couple of thousand years ago, uh, you know, 3,000 odd years ago. And his answer was this, you were thinking, okay, so how's he going to argue this one? Or was it? I mean, was it? <laughs> I said, well, clearly it was, or did it get written then? Well, I don't think anyone would argue that the book of Proverbs was written many thousand years ago. Well, you never know. Change subject. Because it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how rational you think this person might be, how logical he might be, how might, he might go, wow, that's amazing. How did people, thousand years ago, how did Solomon know that work answered, because it doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, you're not going to come and give a load of evidence to the unbeliever and they're going to go, you've solved it, now I'm going to get saved. Because there's a lot of people that believe theoretically the Bible and still won't get saved because they don't want to put their faith in the saviour because of pride or whatever other reason. Okay, so it's not, obviously we're not going to prove it to him. However, with that in mind, I hope everyone here is saved. So I turn to 2 Peter 1. And while you turn now, I'm going to read something that I found really interesting because, 
you know there's some interesting stuff out there about the odds of these prophecies being fulfilled. And I looked at a study done on the probability of the fulfillment of just a handful of these, okay? So the science of probability attempts to determine a chance that a given event will occur. Now, this, this is the, uh, the article I'm going to read you about a professor at Westmont College, okay? He calculated the possibility of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made concerning the Messiah. The estimates were worked out by 12 different classes. See the 12s, yeah? It's not, not me for this 12 stuff. He's a Catholic. You know, he's got a cleric's robe in the back. Okay? The, 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 so the 12 major prophecies, okay, sorry, 12 uh, different classes represented some 600 university students. Okay? The students carefully weighed all the factors, discussed each prophecy at length, and examined the various circumstances which might indicate that men had conspired together to fulfill a particular prophecy. They made their estimates conservative enough so that there was finally unanimous agreement even among the most sceptical students. However, the professor then took their estimates and made them even more conservative. He also encouraged other skeptics or scientists to make their own estimates to see if his conclusions were more than fair. Finally, he submitted his figures for review to a committee of the American Scientific Affiliation. Okay? Upon examination, they verified that his calculations were dependable and accurate in regard to the scientific material presented. For example, concerning Micah 5.2, where it states the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, the professor and his students determined the average population of Bethlehem from the time of Micah to the present. Then they divided it by the average population of the Earth during the same time period. Okay? So, so they tried to work out the population there. They concluded that the, that the the chance of one man being born in Bethlehem was one in 300,000. Okay, is everyone following with me here? Yeah, this isn't, you know, you're not just sitting there going, what is he on about? Okay, so after examining only eight different prophecies, eight, they only did eight, yeah, they conservatively estimated that the chance of one man fulfilling all eight prophecies was one in 10 to the power of 17. If anyone's going, what's all this power stuff? Basically, that's 17 with 10 zeros. I don't even know how you say that number. Is it zillions? That's got to be zillions, isn't it? That's, that's, that's zillions, okay? Don't worry, I'm a scientist. I know this. I'm a mathematician. Okay, so, so to illustrate how large the number is, 10 to the, you know, 10 in, well, 10 to the power of 17, sorry. The professor gave this illustration, okay? If you mark one of 10 tickets and place all the tickets in a hat, thoroughly stir them, and then ask a blindfolded man to draw one, his chance of getting the right ticket is one in 10. Yeah, pretty obvious, right? Suppose that we take 10 to the power of 17 silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. Eh, let's go with like England, I think it's similar anyway. Yeah? They'll cover all the state two feet deep. Okay, two feet deep. Now mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly all over the state, blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up the one silver dollar that has a special mark on it. What chance would he have of getting the right one? Probably similar to winning the lottery. <laughs> yes, people still play it, don't they? Anyway, just the same chance that the prophets would have had, he says here, of writing these eight, just eight prophecies. Eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time. Okay, that's how unlikely it is. And in financial terms, is there anyone who would not invest in a financial venture if the chance of failure were, were only one in 10 to the power of 17? 
It's the kind of sure investment we're offered by God, he says, for faith in his Messiah. So from these figures, a professor concludes the fulfilment of these eight prophecies alone proves that God inspired the writing of the prophecies. The likelihood of mere chance is only one in 10 to the power 17. Another way of saying this is that any person who minimizes or ignores the significance of the biblical identifying signs concerning the Messiah would be foolish. But the fool have said in their heart that there is no God, right? Let alone that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. But of course, there are many more than eight prophecies. In another calculation, the professor used 48 prophecies, even though he could have used... So this guy, Edersheim's 456. I think this is kind of someone who seems to think from much study that there's 456 biblical prophecies. It doesn't really matter when... I mean, 48, you're already getting beyond ridiculous, yeah? And arrived at the extremely conservative estimate that the probability of 48 prophecies being fulfilled in one person is the incredible number 10 to the power of 157. That's 157 zeros, yeah? How large is 10 to the power of 157 zeros? Well, he then gives this illustration, okay? Using electrons. Electrons are very small logics, they're smaller than atoms. It would take two and a half times 10 to the power 15 of them laid side by side to make one inch. Okay, two and a half times that. Even if we counted 250 of these electrons each minute and counted day and night, it would still take 19 million years just to count a line of electrons one inch long. With this introduction, let's go back to our chance of 1 in 10 to the power of 157. Let's suppose that we're taking this number of electrons, marking one and thoroughly stirring it into the whole mass and blindfolding a man and letting him try to find the right one. What chance is he of getting to find the right one? What kind of a pile will this number of electrons make? They make an inconceivably large volume. And this is the result from considering a mere 48 prophecies, and that's concerning his life. Yeah, we just talked about 12 concerning his birth. Obviously, the probability that 456 prophecies would be fulfilled in one man by chance is vastly smaller. Once one goes past, a ch he says, one chance, 10 to the power of 50. The probabilities are so small that it is impossible to think that they could ever occur. Okay? It's, it's off the scale. It's completely off the scale. As the professor concludes, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any other fact in the world. I like this professor. I want to be friends with him. He sounds cool. <laughs> He's got some long words as well. But that's impressive, isn't it? Yeah? And that's the truth of it. However, you're not going to prove that to someone, but it's nice for us, isn't it? Just to remind ourselves of things like that. You turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 16 says this. 2 Peter 1 and verse 16 says, For we have not... And I know we've, we've read this a couple of times recently in sermons. Um, 2 Peter 1.16 says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. You know that? You haven't followed cunningly devised fables. When we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honour and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Obviously referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. However, yeah, he says this, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. So he was up there, Peter. He heard this. He saw this. He says in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. It's the word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place till the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, 
for the prophecy came, not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that's what it comes down to, really, isn't it? Because look, none of these prophecies could have been fulfilled without it being holy men of God speaking as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What we read and what we study and what we learn and what we preach is the inspired, preserved Word of God. And it was written by, by holy men of God speaking as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So it's by faith that we're saved. But it's nice to be reminded of how sure that hope is, isn't it? Celebrate the birth of Christ with all its fulfilled prophecies. It's a great time to do that. And we were talking earlier about different sort of, you know, so-called Christians and others that like think that Christmas is wicked and all this sort of stuff. Well, it's funny because there were a lot of prophecies about the birth of Christ. Yeah, there were a lot of people that celebrated the birth of Christ in the Bible when there was the birth of Christ. It, well, oh, well, we just wait, you know, 33 years, you know, nothing to see here. Wait till Easter, you know. Oh, look, the birth of Christ is important, right? The birth of Christ was a, was a big event in the Bible, a massive event in the Bible, prophesied about from the Old Testament. We've just looked at 12 of them, okay? And, you know, I'm sure we can find many more as well. And that's why it's a good time to celebrate, isn't it? Good time to celebrate. And look, if everyone else wants to celebrate Santa Claus, they can do what they want, but we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ. 12 prophecies of Christmas. 12 mourning lost children, 11 called from Egypt, 10 presents from afar, 9 lit by star, 8 born of a virgin, 7 born in Bethlehem, 6 a son of David, 5 a son of Jesse, 4 a son of Judah, 3 a son of Jacob, 2 a son of Isaac, and the seed of Abraham. On that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, thank you for all the just just those you know for us just those faith strengtheners of all those amazing prophecies in the Bible, all just the, the you know all those amazing things that came true, not just in the birth of Christ, but in His life too. All those events that were prophesied many times before, including His death um, and the events surrounding that. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for for this for this day that we're thinking about over 2,000 years ago now when you sent your son to die on the cross for us. We thank you for all that that means to us. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We, we pray that you just help us to have a great time of fellowship now. Uh, for those that, that are part in company to, to go and just, you know, have a great time thinking of you. For those that are viewing online to be able to just have a great day thinking of you, putting you in the centre of it, Lord. And um, in Jesus' name we pray all of this. Amen.